It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am looking forward to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Molly Fletcher. She's CEO of the Molly Fletcher Company. She's a speaker, a coach, an author of three books, A Winner's Guide to Negotiating, The Business of Being the Best, and The Five Best Tools to Find Your Dream Career. And before starting her company, she was president of client representation for sports and entertainment agency CSE, where she spent two decades as one of the world's only female sports agents. So hailed as the female Jerry Maguire by CNN. That's an interesting, interesting title. She recruited and represented hundreds of sports' biggest names, including Hall of Fame pitcher John Smoltz, PGA Tour golfer Matt Kuchar, broadcaster Aaron Andrews, and basketball championship coaches Tom Izzo of Michigan State and Doc Rivers, now with LA Clippers. So Molly, welcome to Accelerate. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you. So if in case I left anything out, take a minute and introduce yourself. So how'd you get your start as an agent? Well, you know, I, it's a gr- kind of a great story, but I'll, I'll shorten it up for you. But I graduated from Michigan State in 1993, and I ah, had played tennis the, there. Hence the Tom Izzo connection. Correct, correct. When I, started okay. a, right, when I started a college coaching get, division, I had to go get my, my guy, right? So I, um, I packed up my Honda Accord with 2,000 bucks and moved to Atlanta to try to find a job in sports. And um, was just fortunate enough and thankful enough to sort of, I had this philosophy always that when you ask for advice, you get a job. And when you ask for a job, you get advice. And so that was my philosophy. And I got down to Atlanta and met with a lot of people who gave me advice. And through those sort of advice meetings, it took about a year. And then I got in front of a wonderful gentleman who was kind enough to hire me. and 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 I started doing kind of marketing and endorsement deals. And then after a couple months, I said, gosh, you know, let's go, let's go recruit these guys. There's all these athletes in Atlanta. And, you know, we, we, um, and so I began to really go hang out at Georgia tech baseball fields and Georgia golf courses and, and built relationships with coaches and scouts and, you know, began to, to, to build a, a client representation division for us. And, and, you know, sort of, we signed about 300 guys over 15, 20 years. So it was awesome. So did you have a Jerry Maguire moment, like, you know, show me the money type scene? <laughs> you know, the best moment is John Smoltz, who's a wonderful human being, mm-hmm. a great guy. You know, Smoltz, he was candidly making fun of that whole thing. And he went and got like a big suitcase and put all these sort of pretend chocolate coins in it and came rigoring down the hallway one day, you know, saying, show me the money. He's a big <laughs> practical joker. And But, you know, the truth is we, we had uh, fortunately wonderful athletes, good people, um, and, and so I didn't have too many of those kind of moments, thankfully. So what was the impetus to start your own company? Well, I wrote my first book and people started asking me to speak. And so I would go speak at colleges and different things and I enjoyed it. And, and then I wrote another one and it did real well. And, and then companies started asking me to speak. And so then I started speaking and I was finding, gosh, you know, I really like this. I feel like there's really a, just a gigantic metaphor here between sports and business and, I feel like this content can help business people um, get even better, and and sort of using that metaphor of sports is is what I do, and and you know my passion is sort of how do we build and manage relationships, how do we how do we connect, not just communicate, 
and and also human performance, peak performance. And at the core, that was what I did as an agent, right? I mean, it was it was watching and supporting these guys and gals in a, in a really short window of time as professional athletes or as mm-hmm. broadcasters or coaches. And then it was also a business where there's more agents than there are athletes to even represent. So it's intensely competitive. So engagement, connection, relationships um, is, is paramount to somebody's ability to win and, and be successful. So... You know, and then I would start speaking and I thought, gosh, how much can you really change somebody in an hour and, and impact them? I mean, you can absolutely. Um, and, and everybody in an audience walks away with two or three or five nuggets. But how do you keep that energy going and how do you keep that content infused in their life? And then I started e-learning content as an extension of our um, speaking and the coaching evolved naturally. And so it's just you know, I, you know, I believe when you listen to your heart and you listen to the market, you know, you just sort of can't go wrong. And 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 that's what I've done. I, I wish I could say that there was this, you know, incredibly strategic orchestrated plan, but I, I truly just sort of looked at and and took advantage of gaps in the marketplace and 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 tried to add value. And it's just evolved and grown that way. So it's been awesome. So a, a question for you, which is one sort of intrigues me and it's sort of triggered by some things I was reading that you had written is so what what is the difference between selling and negotiating wow that's an awesome question well you know um, I mean negotiation to me is about really building a relationship and finding common ground and you know sort of setting the stage and having the courage to create a pause you know having the courage to ask for what you want after um, you've built common ground. So, um, you know, and, and to me selling, depending on the kind of selling that you're doing, but I'm a big believer in relational based selling, right? Mm -hmm. Not transactional mindset selling. And so the truth is they're very, very similar. I mean, I think when we think about negotiation, if we want to negotiate with somebody more than once, the relationship piece is imperative. And I think if we want to sell and and build great relationships, the relationship piece is imperative. So I I think in many ways, and and I talked about it a lot in my third book, which is a winner's guide to negotiating. And, you know, it's a five-step process. And it it is absolutely about how do we get ourselves on the same side of the table. So I'm a big fan of, of sort of telling, not selling. And, you know, really using the we word inside of those conversations mm-hmm. and putting yourself on the same side of the table and connecting because that's what people want. I mean, we live in a competitive environment and a competitive world. People want to work with people. They want to do deals with people that they like. Right. No like and trust, right? Bob Berg says in his book. So, Correct. So, I, I guess to me, I mean, selling and negotiating are part of the same sequence, but you know, sort of sequential. You have to sell before you can negotiate. Yes, I mean, and I, but I also think you've got to find common ground before you can negotiate, you know? Yeah, and, which, well, to and, me, that's the selling, right? I mean, if, if you don't have that common ground, that common vision, what are you negotiating about? Right, and, and to your point, too, I think inside of selling and inside of negotiation, it's about sort of getting in their head and their heart and saying, what are they worried about? What do they need? What are their gaps? When we would negotiate a contract for a ball player, you know, I would want to get really, really clear on what's, what's that GM worried about? You know, who does he have on the free agent market? He can go get for less or Mm -hmm. for more, you know, who does he have in the minor league system that he could call up? You know, who can he trade for? So those were the kinds of things. And the more that we, when we're selling or when we're negotiating deals, the more that we can drop our head and our heart literally into the seat of the person we're dealing with, I think the more effective that we can, you know, we can be. Yeah, you're problem solving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I refer to this quote all the time from Jeff Bezos. I have it in my, my latest book, uh, Amp Up Your Sales, which is, 
that uh, which I thought encapsulated sales and I think to some extent negotiation uh, extremely well, which he said, you know, we don't make money when we sell things. We make money when we help people make purchase decisions. That's a great, I love that. Right? That's and fantastic. That's, it's all about being in service. Absolutely. Even negotiating no is question. in service. I and mean, people think about it being adversarial, but you're really negotiating to help them. Right. And I think, you know, when we, again, right, I mean, and particularly, you know, you sometimes I would see agents that would come at it at the mindset that, um, you know, to try to win. And and I don't think it's about winning. I think it's about recognizing what is their gaps, how can I help them fill it, and how can I, to your point, serve them so that they can do what they do even better because of what I'm providing exactly. to them. Exactly. So when people are in this process of sales, one of the topics I want to talk about with you today is is confidence, right? I mean, when you are entering negotiations, I mean, if you are lacking confidence, then your motivation was going to be low and is really going to, I'm sure that the person on the side of the table could really sense that. No question. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, when, you, when you're doing a deal or when you're having a conversation or when you pick up the phone to make a sale or walk into a boardroom to make a, you know, to presentation or to have a meeting, they can tell if you believe. They can tell if you really believe that what you do and how you do it and why you do it and what, what you're providing, it, that you believe that, that it can make their world better and that it can serve them in a way that, that, that nobody else could. And, and, and when I speak, and I speak 60, 70 times a year, I talk about it all the time, but you absolutely have to get your mindset right when you walk in the door or when you pick up the phone because they can tell. They can absolutely tell if you believe. Yeah, and we're we're human, and we all go through ups and downs. So you've written something recently about how to rebuild your confidence, and uh, I sort of wanted to go through that because I thought it was a great a great series of steps for people to sort of think about in terms of how they build their confidence. And you sort of start talking about having a confidence toolbox. So mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. what is that? Well, I mean, I think you've got to have I, I, it's sort of a little brain spa of sorts, right, that you can turn to and that can ignite you and can unlock kind of your why a little bit. So, you know, it, it you know, we, we're going to have tough calls and tough meetings and tough moments and we're going to get now. And, and Butch Harmon, who's an amazing golf teacher out on the PGA Tour, told me once he said the difference between, you know, the guys and gals out there that are, you know, the best and winning and holding trophies over their head is is their ability to recover from adversity faster than everybody else. And I think the way that we recover is by reminding ourselves why we do what we do and that we're good at what we do. So, you know, it can be a folder on your computer that you peek at that's great emails from customers and clients that have thanked you for what you've done. It can be a email that somebody sent you that that sort of thanked you or, or um, you know, reminded you of, of the position that you've put them in in, in their life. You know, I, I speak when I speak to financial advisors, you know, it, it could be a, a letter or a note from a client. It, and it can also be content from books. You know, I have just an endless list of books and I'll, and I'll pick up periodically, you know, different ones and, and, and open to the pages that I've dog-eared and read those. And they just sort of, it's just like lighting a match inside of your soul, inside of your heart. And I think it just helps um, unlock the belief that we all have in ourselves so that we can go do what we do. Okay. Well, but ev everybody yeah. has different stuff. I, so things you talk about, I'm sorry, I'll go through them, the five things, but I thought let's, let's start with the personal mission statement. And this is this is what I found really interesting because it's you know, we're used to having corporate mission statements and so on, but this is you know taking it down to a real personal level. Right. I mean, I think yeah, we I mean we all have 
you know, mission and, and, and mission statements posted on our walls when we walk into our offices and things like that. But, you know, do we have mission statements for ourselves? You know, do we have mission statements for our families? You know, the relationships in our lives that, in my opinion, matter most. And so, you know, I, I believe you've got to pull back and ask yourself, like, why am I here? And, and what does success look like for me personally? And then I think what that personal mission statement does is it creates bumper pads for you in your life, in conversations, in challenging situations, in opportunities. And that can help you stay centered, help you stay locked in, and help you stay clear on what to say yes to, what to say no to, and how to deal with tough stuff that comes your way and how to navigate those things. So to me, they're just bumper pads that keep you locked in and keep you centered, a mission statement is. Yeah, in there you use the words uh, unloading your old story and writing a new one. Right. And so we all have baggage you're saying we have to get rid of in order to really have clarity on what our mission statement is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think you've got to stop and say, okay, so if my mission statement is this, what's keeping me from living up to this each and every moment of the day? What's blocking that? And usually there's something, maybe it's from our childhood or whatever it might be, but it's something that's blocking us from really being able to behave and execute and live inside of that mission statement consistently. And so you've got to spend some time on that, right? I mean, that takes work. It can take you a night, it can take you a week, it can take years. But I think it's important to really say, what's blocking me from being my very best self, which at the core is hopefully your mission statement. And then whatever that is saying, okay, that that's what I've been telling myself as it relates to why I can't behave and execute at the highest level based on my mission statement. And then you you have to write your new mission statement. I mean, your new story, right? So what's your new story that you're going to tell yourself since we're going to get rid of that old story, the blocker that was keeping us from that, to to um, allow us to to wake up and and read that new story every day to remind us how we can unlock our best selves and and live inside of our mission, you know. So I, I, it's it's a it's a process, and I would encourage people not to try to rush. But you know, with your audience of sales folks, I mean, so you know, maybe there's something that they're telling themselves that's blocking them from potentially closing a a really big deal. Maybe there's something that's keeping them from doing that. And what is that? What are they telling themselves that that's keeping them from getting that done? And, 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 and whatever that is, I think you've got to get clear on what that messaging is, what you're telling yourself and, and, you know, and, and unload that and build out your new story so you can begin to tell yourself the new story. And so as you, you said, can, defining what success looks like for you, and that success isn't just a monetary goal or a quota attainment, it's, it's much broader. I mean, so I mean, give us an example, I mean, maybe not to put you on the spot, but what, what's your mission statement? What's your personal mission statement? Yeah, I mean, my personal mission statement is to inspire, lead, and connect with creative courage and optimism. So I use that as a bumper pad for me in inside of conversations with my kids, um, inside of conversations with, with clients, inside of conversations, you know, all with my kids' coaches. I mean, whatever it is, I use that and say, am I inspiring? Am I connecting? Am I leading inside of this conversation or situation with creative courage and, and, and optimism? And if I'm doing that, I'm behaving as my best self, I believe. And, and, and you know what? I wrote that six months ago. Maybe it will evolve and change over time. I'm not sure. But for right now, I find when I, 
when I line my life with that every morning, every day, all day and at night, I feel like I show up for the people in my life that matter most as my best self. And, and I think for me personally, everybody has a mission statement. It's unlocking it. And then it's applying it to our life and having the discipline and the intentionality to allow it to help us use it to serve the people in our lives that we want to serve and support. So, you know, for salespeople, whatever that, whatever that mission statement might be, I think they can say that to themselves before they walk in to a big meeting, to a big close that they're trying to make. They can say that to themselves before they pick up a phone, the phone. And it just, in my opinion, helps unlock how they show up. Well, you know, think, better than they could. Yeah. Yeah. And use it with their families, with their business associates that aren't you know, in sales. You have to have that consistency across your life, right? Right. Well, yeah. And it takes intent. I mean, we, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's some ridiculous statistic. Like we have like 95,000 thoughts a day or, you know, some just enormous amount of thoughts a day. And, and the truth is like 98% of them are the same tomorrow if we aren't intentional about changing them. Right. And, and so, and that's why sort of going through that old story and building your new story and then creating rituals around how to live up to that new story, which oftentimes I would encourage people, you know, whatever that new story is, whatever that mission statement is, read that every single morning and then read it every single night and do that for 60, 90 days so that you can build, you know, a super highway in your brain. So that becomes a part of your life now. Yeah, because one of the tools you talk about is creating this early morning success ritual. So this this would be one you'd recommend is, is get your personal mission statement down and very concise and succinct as you have it. And then use it as a daily affirmation in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. And, and read it. And it just, it, you know, it's like for me and, and, and my family, right, when we go to church on Sunday, and a, and a lot of people say that, right? It just sort of recenters you. And I think it's so easy to get off course in life. I mean, it is so easy. And so, you know, that ritual of reading it every morning, of rewriting it once a week, rewriting it is a really powerful thing for our brains and physically emo- it's good to rewrite it too by rewriting um, you don't mean recreate it but just sit down and write correct. it down again correct right just write it down again exactly exactly oh very interesting i like that yeah i think it's powerful there's a lot f- to be said for sort of putting pen to paper and we lose that in the world that we live in today but it's well, important and that's part of you know um cialdini when he talks about uh, you know influence psychology of persuasion he talks about the consistency principle right and one of the things that you way you integrate something into you is by writing it down. Absolutely. No question. Very interesting. Okay. Now another tool you have in your confidence toolboxes, uh, I thought was, was you referred to a little before is your smile file. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, um, again, right. We all have a why. And so hopefully just drop things in there that, that make you smile, that make you remember why you do what you do, that, that remind you that you're good, you know, that, that, that just unlock, you know, like a lot of people have maybe their favorite place in the world as their screensaver on their phone and they look at it and it, and it just makes them feel good. Right. And so I think the smile file or file is just something that you look at that makes you smile. I mean, I don't think it's complicated. I think it's that simple, but again, it's all, all about kind of getting yourself and sending yourself the right messages. Right. And part of it that you talk about is, which I think is really important is, they can be symbols of previous successes and achievements you've had. So it's part of, you know, if your confidence is low, reminding yourself of the fact that, yeah, I, I have achieved things. I can achieve again. It's really important. 
No question. I mean, one of the things I did for, um, you know, lots of our athletes over time, I mean, we had a baseball player, Smoltz, um, pitcher for the Atlanta Braves for a long time. And when he struggled, you know, I had put this like four and a half minute video together of just unbelievable pitches for him. I mean, just just one awesome pitch after another, you know, fastball, slider, curveball, you know, just nailing it right on a nickel, right? And the guys, you know, the batters just walking back with their head down, mm-hmm, going to the mm-hmm. going to the dark, you know. And 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 just real quick, and I said, dude, like right before you walk out on the mound, right? Just watch this. Just watch this and and lock in on this. And this kind of stuff is what the best athletes do. And you know, the best golfers in the world, I mean, they will sit there and watch their best golf swings. They'll watch I guarantee you Dustin Johnson will watch that approach shot that he hit oh, sure. <laughs> at the US Open a couple of weeks ago because that whenever and if ever and he will, he'll struggle one day again. The visualization is really important. Correct. Yeah. So I think it's it's not it's taking the mindset and the behaviors of athletes that have gotten really clear and focused on one very clear discipline in their life and saying, okay, you know, how can I remind myself how I got here and how I can stay here and how I can hold trophies over my head? And so I think it's that same thing for business people, right? Save some of that stuff. Look at it because it'll inspire you and it'll unlock your best self. Another source of inspiration you referred to earlier is books or writings that – you know, quotes or something that have inspired you. Yeah. I mean, I have all kinds of stuff like that, that I, that I peek at and that I have a file of and, and, um, you know, you, you, some days you need one, some days you need another. I think, I think all those things are good. And, and again, right. I mean, you see, um, you know, golfers have stuff on their wrists or they have something on their bag or, you know, baseball players have all this kind of stuff in their locker clubhouse in the clubhouse. I mean, in their, and, 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 um, you know, it's, it's that same stuff. And to me, it's, it's, um, it's about what we tell ourselves and, and, you know, it's, it's Carol Dweck's book mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. to me is an awesome book and, and, and it's that simple, right? I mean, do you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? And if you have a growth mindset, you're doing things like this so that you can continue to evolve and grow. So what inspires you? Well, I mean, you know, my why is 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 to to lead and, and inspire and connect, and and I think um, my why around that is that I really believe that every single person in this world has a gift, and they have something that they are passionate about, and and sadly, we live in a world where I think I just like, read a Gallup poll that, you know, like. 87% or 70, I can't remember the percentage, but it was a large number, well over 60% of people do not and are not engaged in their work. And and that breaks my heart because we work a lot, you know, and it, we all have a gift. And I think it's having the courage to do some of these things, to take the time to pull back and to get clear on what how you show up as your best self, what your personal mission statement is, and then having the courage to take the risk potentially to go do that. You know, for me personally, I absolutely love being an agent and it was awesome. I mean, it was just awesome. But when I started speaking, I went, actually, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is really where I need to be is delivering content against my years as an agent that can help people be their best. And as much as I was in my zone as an agent, I am so much more in it now. Mm-hmm. And so I cha- you know, I challenge and I encourage people to take the time to pull back and say, 
how do I show up as my best self? And what is my mission statement? And what's keeping me from getting there? And what am I going to tell myself every day and create the rituals that I need so that I can show up as my best self? And then say, okay, now what's at risk for me to make a change? And and it is so hard, and I get it, right? There's a guy listening to this show going, hey, Molly, it sounds great, but I make $200,000 a year. I have three kids in private schools. My wife doesn't work, and I absolutely hate my job, so tell me what to do. And I think that's when you've got to say, what's at risk to make a change, and what's at risk for you to wake up every day and be fully engaged in the work that you do and the life that you lead? And maybe that means some short-term challenges, But at the end of the day, I believe that helps you unlock your best self for the people that you love the most, which is your family. Right. And I think for those people, one way to help get clarity is to, and and you referred again to this in uh, in your toolbox for confidence, is to, at that point, serve others. Right. Yeah. Build confidence in others you talk about, but it's really about serving others. I think if you you want to get clarity on your mission, your personal mission statement is part of it has to be in service to other people. Well, you, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, I've read and helped people build their personal mission statement. And I can tell you that, you know, almost all of them are about giving and, and helping other people. And that's what fulfills most of us. And you look at people who have achieved great success, maybe in their business or maybe in a sport or whatever it might be. And the truth is getting to number one isn't usually enough. It's never enough. They're still not full. And it, because it's, it can't be just about you. That's not enough. It's just never been enough for people. And I could just go on and on about, you know, CEOs and executives that I've met that have, you know, they've rolled up their company and sold it for $50 million, but their marriage broke up and they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lost their kids and they're miserable. And yeah, they've got $25 million bucks in the bank, but they're not happy. So was it worth it? And so, you know, and can you have it all? Absolutely, right? But you've got to be intentional about how you're doing it. Very interesting. So, move just briefly into the last segment of the show. I've got some questions I ask all my guests. And uh, the first one is when you, Molly, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Stories. Um, you know, I, I just tell stories. Um, and, and you know, when, when I was an agent, you know, if I was sitting in front of a golfer, I could tell them what I was going to do for them. But what was even more effective was to tell a story about somebody that's very similar to them where we had, where, where we had done something that potentially they want to do. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's saying to yourself, what are the five, what are the seven, what are the three things that make you as a salesperson or your product different? And how can you take that and, and, and wrap a story around it about how that showed up and how you how you did that for another client. And that, to me, is so much more effective. You know, it's like when you interview a young person and they say to you, man, I just work so hard. You know, I work harder than everybody else. I mean, I am just a go-getter. I work so hard. Or if they tell you about last week, I had a teammate who, you know, needed to pack boxes and we had to get them out. And I stayed at the office till 2.30 in the morning with them, just getting them all boxed up and boxed up and getting them out. That resonates so much more because it's real. Stories to me are incredibly powerful. Yeah, so it raises interesting questions. So how do we, and especially in the scenario you talked about, because you know, I think back to, you know, I've done hundreds and hundreds of sales interviews, um, you know, interviewing potential sales candidates over the years, and yeah, no one. I'm trying to think back. Did anyone ever really use a story? Maybe there was one or two, but it it doesn't really stand out. So how do you you get people to have that storytelling mindset? 
Well, I, you know, I think I think you've got to stop and say, you know, sort of like I said, I think you've got to stop and say, what are the what are the two or three things that make you or your product different? And then you've got to wrap a story around it. So I'll give you an example. As an agent, I would say, you know, what made us different was our reputation. We had a great reputation. You know, another thing that made us different was our relationships. So instead of me saying that to a prospect, I would tell them a story about how I had hamburgers and French fries with a general manager who never eats with an agent. But he wanted to have dinner, you know, when he ran into me at a restaurant and how we spent an hour and a half just just shooting it and talking and connecting. Mm -hmm. And and so you you can you can tell you're about relationships, you can tell you're about reputation or you can tell a story that that brings it to life. So that would be an example. So I think I think you've got to take the time to say, what are those three? What are those seven? What are those 15 things that you talk about when you make a sale? And then you've got to pull back and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to think back in my career and I'm going to capture stories that bring those things to life. Love it. Great. So next question is who's your business role model? When you started your company, who is your business role model? Wow. You know, um, I leaned on lots of different people for different things. So I leaned on a lot of different speakers for support there. I leaned on, you know, content providers that were delivering e-learning content for, for, for that space. Mm-hmm. Um, I leaned on lots of different writers that were awesome that helped me from a, you know, writing perspective. So, you know, my philosophy on sort of mentors and, and, and things like that is that they're everywhere. I mean, you, you could run into one in, in, in the oddest places, but I think it's about stopping and having the courage to be vulnerable. It's about, you know, not being afraid to ask for advice, not being afraid to ask for support and recognize that, that those people can be all around you. And there are different verticals inside of every business, and you probably have people inside of those verticals in other in other maybe it's other industries or in other spaces that can that you can lean on so there wasn't ever one person there was dozens um and i still have that kind of support i'm in an organization called ypo where i can lean on mm-hmm. my forum exactly for support. Are, right yeah and and so they are from all kinds of different industries and i lean on those guys for 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 support and advice and and some of them are in just totally different industries and totally different spaces but i find i find i get great stuff from them as well okay so what's one book you'd recommend everybody in sales should read not a sales book necessarily but one book that's you know inspired you that you think would work for salespeople. Yeah, so I love Patrick Lencioni's work, and um, I love all his books. And, you know, one of the kind of sales books that he wrote is called Get Naked. And uh, it's not what you think, right? It's a book about business development. It's a book about sales, and it's awesome. It's a great book. All his stuff is a fable. He's got a couple that aren't, but most of his books are fables. And you can read it in an hour on a flight, and it's awesome. It's a great book called Get Naked by Patrick Lencioni. Okay, going on the list. Excellent. All right. Last question for you is what, uh, what music's on your playlist these days? Well, you know what? I'm up here in Northern Michigan with my family and, and tonight we're going to see the Indigo girls. They're here playing oh, really? um, okay. in Northern Michigan. So they're on my short list cause I'm about two hours from that deal. Um, but gosh, you know, I'm a big country music fan, right? So, you know, all today's country, mm-hmm. um, you know, Darius Rucker, you know, Annabelle. Um, it's all, funny how all, Darius Rucker's country these days. <laughs> I know. Right. Right. But all those kind of awesome, you know, country singers, um, that's one of my husband and I's favorite thing in the world to do is to, to go to concerts, particularly country music concerts, and, 
and um, just sort of get away and escape and listen to some good music. Well, excellent. Well, great. Well, I want to thank you for being my guest today. So, Molly, tell people how they can find out more about you. Yeah, so mollyfletcher.com, and then my Twitter handle is at Molly Fletcher, and, you know, of course, I'm LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, and it's all really under my name, Molly Fletcher. Excellent. Okay. Well, again, thanks for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, listen on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Molly Fletcher, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.